This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. We begin Scoop Podcast episode 106 with one of our favorites. He is Wild VP Brent Flair. Brent, always appreciate your time. All right, we're what, 11 games in. How would you evaluate things so far through these first 11 games for you guys? Well, I think we've played well in spurts. Um, unfortunately, that's just not good enough. I think the early games we lost, we had leads, we were tied late. But I just thought we, uh, I don't know whether it's complacency or uh, whatever it is, we just weren't at a level where we need to be to, to win games consistently. And, and uh, as a result, our, our uh, you know wins and losses showed that. So <clears throat> I think when we're, we're playing at our best, we're a very good team. Uh, obviously, we've had some guys out of the lineup, but we've had some guys step in and play very well. And um, you know, we just have to play a certain way to have success. What is that certain way? I mean, is it establishing the forecheck? You know, getting the puck out of your own zone. You know, more consistently. You know, doing a better job of that. Establishing, you know, yourself in the offensive zone. I mean, what are some of the keys to getting back to that to that high level? Yeah, all of the above. I think. Well, first of all, our you know defend. We we prefer not to defend. We we have a very mobile defense that. You know, does a good job of retrieving pucks and getting it going the other way. Uh, at the same time, we have to manage pucks better. We, we uh, for whatever reason, we were turning pucks over a lot in neutral zone, and that eventually kills you. Uh, it doesn't matter how good your goaltending is or or whatnot. you got to manage the puck, and, and especially the danger areas. But even in the offensive zone, we have to we have to be smarter, and, and you know, you got to have a third guy high. You still have to have a defensive responsibility, but at the same time, we got to play together as a group and uh, play off each other and and you know, support the puck. So you, you know, you have your offensive zone time. You keep them into the game. And uh, when we're at our best, or at best, we're doing that. I mean, I suppose one of those boneheaded plays happened on Tuesday. Now, credit to Matt Dumba on Thursday, responding very well against Montreal. But that play he made against Winnipeg on Tuesday has to be one of those examples that you're citing. Yeah, it's just you know, obviously he's trying to do a drop pass to Granlin, but you have to in those situations when you're, uh, you know, teams are. You know, you have to be make sure you're aware of where, where everybody else is on the ice, and, and it cost us. So, you know, that that was just one one little play in the game that you know it's magnified. But there was a lot of other plays in that game where, you know, we we did manage the puck, we're turning pucks over the offensive blue line, giving them odd man rushes, and you know they're too talented. If you want to trade punches with them, you're you're probably gonna you know get a lot of goals scored on you. But at the same time, with you know when we're playing right, once we're down two nothing, we started to play and. For whatever reason, it took that long. But once we were, we're we were pretty pretty good hockey team. I suppose a little bit more on Dumba. I mean, I suppose that Coach Bruce Boudreau had to think about scratching him for last night's game. Ultimately, doesn't credit to Matt. I mean, not just the goal, Brent, but I mean, I thought Matt played a complete game. I thought Matt had one of his better games in a while last night. Yeah, no, I think he, you know, he's a proud guy. He's a he's professional, and you know, he that's. Uh, you know, I guess if there's a fault, he tries to do too much at times. But he, you know, he's a he's a gamer. He's played uh, played well in big games for us in the past, playoff games, and he's an experience. But at this point in his career, we just need a little more consistency from him, and you know, just play a smarter all-around game. And when he got to the top of his game, he's uh, you know, he's a pretty dynamic player and a guy that we need to to help bring offense to our back end, and, but also be a reliable guy defensively, move the puck, and and do the things he needs to do. I mean, sometimes do we forget that he's 23? I mean, he has all this experience, so I get it. I mean, he needs to be one of your top four defensemen. I mean, for you guys to get where you want to go, you need him to play at a very high level, you know, establish himself in the offensive end, you know, defensive responsibilities, all that. But I think sometimes, especially somebody like me who doesn't follow you guys religiously, sometimes I forget he's only 23 years old. Yeah, no, people, we have a number of young guys in our blue line, and he's one of them. But, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, Defense is a tough position. It takes a while to learn, and but he, he's a guy that you know he really wants to to be a star. He wants to you know make sure uh, he wants to do things that uh, you know get you on highlight reels, and and he has that talent. He's a dynamic player when he, like I said, when he's on top of his game. But you have to manage the game a little bit too, and and do things the right way, and and you'll figure that out. I mean, are you okay with guys that want to be in the highlight reels, that want to be stars, that want to be you know on Sports Center and all those shows on a regular basis? Yeah, no. I listen. I, I think you know these guys are. We we try to draft talented players and guys that want to play big and big moments. That's that's what it's all about. And but at the same time, you have to play right and uh, play within the team concept and and uh, you know hopefully have success, but not cost you either. So 
Uh, there's a fine line, but at the same time, you know, his interest is the, you know, is the best interest of the team. One player you drafted who plays the game right is Luke Cunning. How impressed are you by Luke's play? Yeah, he's you know he's a guy who you know he came to camp at a strong camp. We sent him down initially to to get his reps in the American League, and, and whenever he's ready to come up, he'd be ready. And <clears throat> with all of our injuries, he's he's gotten a chance to come up, and you know he's made the most of it. He's uh, like I said, he he is as advertised. He's always played the same way, and whether it's on the for Team USA in the national level or in Wisconsin, or um, he's always played hard. Uh, he's played physical. He you know, he can play whatever type of game you need him to. So I think coaches are, our coaches already rely on him and trust him in the defensive situations and playing against top players, which says a lot for, for a young guy. But he's also scored some goals, and uh, he's around the net all the time. And, you know, he's just one of those guys that I think fans will like to, like to watch and be happy that he's on our side. I mean, I suppose all we need to know is when you see him on the penalty kill. I mean, that's what sort of trust that Bruce has in him. Yeah, no, exactly, and you know, I think it surprised Bruce, but you see him, he does a lot of things right, and uh, very detailed, and he's extremely intense, so he'll block a shot, he'll do whatever he needs to, to do to, to help, and, and uh, you know, he's being rewarded right now, and, and good for him. How would you evaluate some of the other new forwards? I mean, I guess, you know, Ennis, Felino, and I guess a new old face in, in Cullen. Yeah, I think all of them offer something a little different, they have different roles, and, and uh, Marcus brings a you know, big physical element. He hits hard. He's he's got the face mask on right now, which is tough to play with. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's going to be a big addition to our team. Just gives us the dimension that we need and a physical element, and uh, which will really help, especially down the down the stretch in the playoffs. Uh, Ennis is a skilled player. I think he's still finding his niche a little bit, but he's shown flashes of his skill level and his abilities on power plays and in that. So we just got to find the right role in the lines and, and find some consistency there. And, and Collins, Collins, you know, he's guy you can you know he's obviously not what he was when he's 27 but he he can still skate he can still win face-offs he still can kill penalties and a uh, good guy in the room and and that stuff's invaluable i guess i wouldn't even be shocked if he plays another year i mean i know everything he's doing this year it's as if this is his last year that he'll retire at at 41 years old but i'm just telling you brent i guess i wouldn't be shocked if he decided to play another year yeah that's up to him obviously he's uh like he, he's still a world-class skater and uh, he still loves the game and loves being around it. So, you know, for anybody, it's hard to say goodbye, and whether it's uh, the right time. But hopefully, we can win a bunch of games down the stretch, have success, and maybe that's the time. But uh, you know, play it uh, day by day, month by month for him. Am I correct in suggesting that Mike Riley has played well for you guys? Yeah, no, I think there's, you know, I think like our the rest of our team, I think there's been some uh, ups and downs. But no, Mikey's, uh, I think he's coming to camp with a different mindset this year. He's um, you know, I think he's been he's learned a lot in his time in the American League. I know he didn't wasn't always happy going down like any young player, but I think he learned a lot uh, how to play defense and um, you know. So when you're playing against top players, he, he knows how to play and, and is confident. So, but he's a dynamic player. He, he obviously he's an elite skater. He, he's got good offensive tools and and it's still you know there's still another level you left for him. I think and uh, when he hits that, it's you know it should be exciting for us, but. No, he's getting better and better every day and showing a lot more confidence. Clearly it'll take a little bit of time for, for Nino Niederreiter to get his to get his game legs back. But from what you understand, I know you weren't at last night's game, but from what you understand, was Nino better in his second game back compared to his first game? Yeah, I think even if you watched I watched the first game, even you know, by the third period I thought he was a lot better. That's expected, you know, guys, especially big bodies like that. It takes time to uh, get up to the speed of the game and the timing and just handling the puck at full speed and making plays. It's it's an adjustment and it takes uh, you know a few games. So, but obviously we'll, we're very happy to have him back and he's a big part of our team and and uh, you know we're excited to have him. That's for sure. I mean, isn't an adjustment for for many of the other forwards too? I mean, you know, I mean, I get it. The lines are mixed up on a on a pretty regular basis, but you know, I guess on Tuesday the lines were different when Nino's back in the lineup. Does it take time for for everybody to adjust when when a player returns? Yeah, a little bit. You know, there's guys are getting less power play time or more or whatever. They're, they're switched around the line. So there's some things to get used to. But I think, you know, throughout the course of a season, I think guys are have to learn to play with each other, and it's only healthy. So, But uh, overall, it's, you know, I think the guys are all happy to get him back. It was a big hole to have out of your lineup, and, and now he's back, and hopefully he can get going and get scoring and, and play like Nino does. How has Dubnik been so far in your mind? 
I think he's been good. I think he, you know, like early on, I think there was a couple games where he was probably in his own mind, probably average. But now Doobie's getting better and he's getting into his groove. And, and when he's in his groove, he's he's one of the best. So he's uh, you know he's a guy that's uh, you know when he's on his game and confident and playing big and um, you know he's he's almost unbeatable at times. So. You know, our team in front of him has been a little loose and for both of our goaltenders at times and, and giving up with too many chances, which is a little abnormal for our group. But, you know, when we're at the top of our game, our goaltenders are good and we pr- provide a structure around it where allows them to be good. So, you know, I think uh, both our goaltenders will be fine. And Alex Daylock's played very well in yeah. all these games that he's played as well. So, Yeah, I mean, I really like Alex. I mean, heck, I have no problem if he ends up with, I mean, is there an ideal number of mind? I mean, is it is it 15 to 20 to 23, 24 starts this year for Alex? Yeah, we'll see. I think it's it's more about the, you know, how Doobie's feeling and he's feeling tired. Or you know, when you get down to the compressed schedule a little later in the year, you need your backup goalie to play and and take some pressure off and take some you know minutes off your your starting goalie and uh, just so they don't fatigue. But no, he's he's shown very well for himself. He's a guy that our players have confidence in, and uh, whether it's practice or game, his his compete level is so high and um, he battles. And I think guys really enjoy playing in front of him. How's Coyle doing? Uh, Coyle's coming along. He's a, you know, he's a specimen of an athlete. He's a, mm-hmm. I think he's ahead of schedule, but it's still, it was a, you know, it's a broken leg. So that's, uh, I know uh, he's back to working out, jumping and, and doing a lot of things, and he he feels great. But still, it's just, it's different than being on the ice and pushing, turning, and, and doing some things. So I think he's a couple weeks away now, but hopefully, uh, like by Thanksgiving, he's he's back in action, and and uh, obviously he's another guy that it's hard to replace. He's a big body and. With uh, obviously an all-around game, but he's a he's a big part of our team, and we'll be happy to get him back. So back on skates, maybe as soon as like late next week, maybe the week after. Yeah, I think that's the schedule. I don't know the exact dates, but uh, I know he's probably getting getting close, and it'll be baby steps at first. But once you know, just it's basically the healing of the of the bone, and once they've they've got that figured out, then he's he's free to get up to speed. So uh, yeah, we're excited to see that happen. How about Parisi? How's Parisi doing? Well, he's he's on the shelf for you know since eight weeks from the start of the surgery. So mm-hmm. obviously, there's not a lot that he can be doing right now for the first month of it. And uh, but no, I think he's happy just to get some resolution. And obviously, once once it's healed, and it'll take some time to get back up to speed. But you know, at least it's not something that's going to be continuing to go on for for a while here. So um, you know, just for whether it's just as real, just general life or or playing hockey, it's uh, you know back injuries are tough and. Uh, hopefully, when it's it's fixed and ready to go, he can be back in action and, and obviously be a big addition to us in the second half. And I suppose, I mean, especially the way he plays, right? I mean, you know, the nature of his game. I mean, I would think it lends itself even more so to to some back issues. Yeah, and you know, your back's uh, it's one of those things. It's it's crippling when you when you have something out, and and you know, he's felt the effects of that. This more so, he felt actually. I think he felt better on the ice. A lot of times when he did off and and uh, just sitting and doing little things that you take for granted. So, uh, but he's uh, you know he's there's no one that works harder. There's no one's going to push himself to get back quicker than Zach Brise and and uh, whatever that time is, we're, we'll be pretty excited to get him back. That's for sure. I'll let you go, Brian. After a couple more points, I saw at last night's Ottawa Detroit game there were something like 23 scouts, 20 or 21 teams represented. I mean, are we already to the point where, where there's a healthy amount of trade dialogue across the league, or was that just one of those moments where a bunch of scouts happened to have the same schedule and ended up at the same game? Yeah, no, I think there's, there is that. I think there's, you know, I was just out in uh, Vancouver and Calgary. Calgary, I think there was 20-something the other night. So there's good schedules where you get games, you know, consecutive nights and different teams that are coming through the area. So I, I know uh, uh, a lot of it's depending on schedules. But, you know, there's getting to that point of the year where, their teams are starting to talk, but at the same time, I think uh, the media blows some of that stuff out of proportion. And you know, you're in Toronto or Ottawa, like they say, there's 20 scouts. There's there's always 20 scouts in Toronto every mm-hmm. game, just because of people live there. So you know, Montreal and that. So it's uh, part of it's geographic, and and uh, but you know, it gets people talking. I guess so. That's good. <laughs> Never a bad thing. And then I'll leave you with this: How do you balance your schedule? I mean. What is your schedule like? I mean, you're out now doing some what pro scouting right now. I mean, you're doing some yeah. amateur scouting at times. What's what's your breakdown of time spent around you know the big team? You know, your time spent in Iowa, then your time spent you know amateur scouting and pro scouting. 
Yeah, I have a, a pretty good mix. So I think early in the year I try to be around uh, between Iowa and the big team um, through camp and through the first uh, you know six or seven games and uh, just to see where we're fitting and where we're going and, and then they get sick of me being around so then I, I get out in the road. So I'll do pro scouting through uh, the first half. I have a uh, amateur tournament over in Europe. Uh, I leave Monday night heading over to Russia and Finland and, and Sweden. So for the next couple of weeks and then I come back do a little more pro scouting be around both teams Iowa and, and that and then the second half depending where we are in the standings and what we're doing and what we think we need to do uh, if, if I have to pro scout more fine if, if I get out in the road and uh, at some point I get out the road and, and uh, get on the amateur circuit as well and help prepare for the draft so a little bit of everything it's, it's fun but at the same time it's uh, you know, you can spread yourself a little thin at times, too. So Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I mean, heck, I mean, you're going nonstop. Brent, we always appreciate your time here on the podcast. Safe travels next week when you head to Europe. All right. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon. The number two in the Wilds front office, Brent Flair. Always appreciate his contributions. Good updates on Charlie Coyle. Zach Parisi, good analysis on the Wild through 11 games. How about we do this? We'll reset. We'll have a more formal Opening here, it is Scoop Podcast episode 106 being recorded on Friday, the 3rd of November. Another goofy week on my front, especially with some radio and TV commitments. So instead of doing two podcasts this week, we'll make it one nice big one or at least semi-lengthy one with news and notes plus a couple interviews, Brent Flair. Then at the end of this podcast, we'll catch up with Zeke Najee, junior forward, Hopkins High School. He has a Gophers offer. He has a Wisconsin offer, an Iowa offer. He is in demand. So much attention, rightfully so, on Matthew Hurt, class of 2019, Rochester John Marshall. We had him on Scoop Podcast, I don't know, go back about seven or ten episodes, something like that. I went down to Rochester, caught up with Matthew, one of the best players in the country in the class of 2019. Well, Zeke Najee would be the second best player in the class of 2019 in the state. He is in demand. So we'll catch up with him on his thoughts on the Gophers, Wisconsin, other schools that are after him, other schools that he thinks might offer him soon. But how about this? I'll give some love to one of the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast, Vine Park Brewing, vinepark.com online, Vine Park Brewing in St. Paul. Good beer. Gophers, Michigan, tomorrow night. It's a night game. What about tomorrow afternoon if you're not going deer hunting? What about tomorrow afternoon? You swing into Vine Park Brewing, conveniently located on West 7th Street in St. Paul between 35E and downtown St. Paul, closer to 35E. Really good beer. They've been making beer for 22 years. You don't last 22 years without good-tasting beer, without a good product, right? They have it. They have wine. They have root beer. How about this, too? For $7, you can go in. You can see how they make their beer their wine, their root beer. That $7 gets you a flight or a pint plus Heggie's Pizza. Or if you don't have time for a tour, just swing in, grab a growler. Vine Park Brewing has really good beer. I'm telling you, I'm a beer snob in so many different ways. I wouldn't be giving them love if I didn't enjoy their product. I'm telling you, I enjoy their product. It is really, really good. It has the Doogie seal of approval. You need to check it out yourself. For more information, go to vinepark.com. One leftover hockey note, I am catching up with Ryan Carter, former Wilds player this afternoon. He's actually back in school. He is taking online classes to finish his degree at Minnesota State Mankato. He is now officially retired. I will play back that conversation, likely on Scoop Podcast episode 107. Could save it for 108, depending on how things come together. Also, I am doing radio on Monday. I am doing Mackie and Judd show again. I did it on Thursday. I'm doing 9 to 1 on 1500 ESPN. Wolves slash Lynx owner Glenn Taylor is locked in for 11 a.m. 11 a.m. on Monday. We'll catch up with Glenn Taylor. Wanted to mention that before I forgot. I'll get to some Wolves notes later in this podcast. Let's go with the Vikings right now, although not a ton going on with the bye week. The players had their annual Halloween gathering, costumes and all that good stuff earlier in the week. That was Monday. They practiced a bit on Tuesday, then also on Wednesday. Then the guys are off the rest of this week. I know a lot of guys like Case Keenum, others heading somewhere a bit warmer. Then the guys will reconvene on Monday morning at Winter Park. They'll practice on Monday, Tuesday off day then begin Redskins preparations on Wednesday. I will say this much. I know the purpose of this podcast is to have every single answer, right? Have every single scoop. I don't have the answer on when Teddy Bridgewater will exactly play. I don't have the answer quite yet on what the roster move 
Entirely will be. I can tell you this much. Teddy Bridgewater will be added to the 53-man roster next week. They could do it on Tuesday. They have until Wednesday afternoon. They could do it Wednesday morning. But look for Teddy Bridgewater to be added to the 53-man roster. The question then is, do they attempt to slide Kyle Sloter through waivers, re-sign him to the practice squad? They still like Kyle Sloter. The last thing they want to do is lose Kyle Sloter. Would they try and sneak a linebacker like Wilson or an offensive lineman like Collins through waivers. Heck, they just got Rodney Adams through waivers. You can get guys through waivers right now. You know, teams are reluctant to add guys to the 53-man roster at this point. So you can slide guys through waivers, re-sign them to the practice squad, or might they wait and see? And this is where I don't have the answer. They will wait through the weekend. I mean, they're having conversations. The front office, Rick Spielman, George Payton, you know, Mike Zimmer is obviously included in that mix. Rob Brzezinski, those guys. They are having constant dialogue about what to do. You know, Sam Bradford, there's still a belief that maybe he can help them at some point the rest of the season, even if it's in a backup role, if the knee isn't 100%, that he at least could go out there, possibly help them in an emergency situation. Or do they decide if they happen to have this scenario play out where Sam goes to them sometime on Monday when he's back at the facility and says, hey, I just don't know if this is going to happen this year with my knee. Could they make the move and put him on IR? Heck, we just saw the Colts put Andrew Luck on IR. That's where I don't have the answers because the Vikings don't have the answers yet. They will continue to discuss these things throughout the weekend, see where things are at on Monday. You know, heck, they might take the Teddy Bridgewater decision right up until the deadline just to see where Sam is at if an IR possibility exists or what to do with Kyle Sloter, or if the decision is made to slide a linebacker or an offensive lineman through waivers, hoping to re-sign that player to the practice squad. A couple other Vikings notes, but make no mistake, Teddy Bridgewater is being added to the 53-man roster. There's still an expectation this is Case Keenum's team. It's Case Keenum's team against the Redskins. you know. But once Teddy's added to the 53-man roster, you don't need Kyle Sloter as the backup. I mean, if Case Keenum gets hurt in the Redskins game, then you have Teddy... He's active on game day. He would be your backup quarterback. I still expect Teddy Bridgewater to take snaps for the Vikings this year, but it's an open-ended situation where there is no firm resolution on that. I mean, let's see how Case plays against the Redskins. If he goes belly up, would you start Teddy against the Rams on November 19th? Does it make some sense to start Teddy on a short week on Thanksgiving against the Lions? The point is, whether it's mid-November, late November, early December, We will see Teddy Bridgewater at some point take snaps. The Vikings still think the world of Teddy. Mike Zimmer thinks the world of Teddy. The Vikings have to make a determination if Teddy is worthy of being the 2018 starting quarterback. I mean, sometimes we forget all three of these quarterbacks are free agents come March. So who is back? Do they go for an outsider? Do they re-sign one of the guys? I mean, I think right now my money would be on Teddy Bridgewater being this team's quarterback in 2018. But there's still some unknown there, even though he looks good in practice. You know, how will everything translate to game situations when guys start diving at his legs, diving at his knees? How will he respond? A couple other Vikings notes. They did not come close this week to making any sort of trade. They never entertained the idea of trading Jarius Wright or trading Stephen Weatherly. They didn't come close to adding any talent. You know, there's something to be said about not disrupting that locker room. So I'm just telling you, the Vikings did not come close. We saw a number of transactions this week, but the Vikings were not involved. In those transactions, they did not come close to making a trade. How about Jarek McKinnon making himself some money? Jarek McKinnon in a contract year. He can make some money next March, whether it's being re-signed by the Vikings or some other team coming after Jarek. Maybe not as a feature back, but as a rock-solid number two back. Jarek McKinnon can be in this league for a number of more years. He is having a good year here in his contract year. If you're wondering whether the Vikings have approached McKinnon about any sort of contract extension, Or if McKinnon's camp has approached the Vikings about any sort of extension? No, the answer is no. Certainly at this point, it appears as if McKinnon will get to unrestricted free agency come March or certainly get to the offseason. Nothing will happen in season. We'll get to some Twins notes in a second, but be sure to check out camp-zero.com. Camp Zero Coolers. They're going deer hunting. It's hunting season here in Minnesota. Think about getting a new cooler. Camp Zero Coolers. Camp-zero.com. Use the promo code SCOOP. Scoop for $10 off your order. How about this? Why can't reliable, cool-looking products also be affordable? Well, the owners of Camp Zero asked that very question. They're brothers. They're business partners. They've been doing this for well over 30 years. They've traveled all around the world for 30 years, developing and sourcing products to make outdoor living easier. 
It's all about making your life in the outdoors simpler. Their philosophy is simple. You offer ruggedly cool outdoor products that are affordable and, more importantly, designed to withstand the rigors of the outdoors. Whatever you're doing, whether it's hunting, so many people right now, I hope at least so many people are listening right now that happen to also be hunters. But if you're going somewhere else, you know, maybe you're going down south to a family reunion, a family picnic where it's much warmer. If you're tailgating, you know, upcoming Gophers Nebraska game, upcoming Gophers Wisconsin game, you know, some upcoming Vikings game, you're tailgating, whatever your outdoor needs are, Camp Zero can take care of you. Be sure to check out their website. It's camp-zero.com, and I'm telling you, the coolers are worth checking out. Here's what you may have missed on a recent Purple FTW podcast with Andy Carlson. Adam Thielen is great, but he's got to stop woofing at the refs. I understand it is a small marginal part of the game but it is important because after every single incompletion where he thought he was held or thought he was interfered with or thought he was pushed you got to stop doing that because I, I firmly believe that the offensive pass interference call that he got was retaliation because he had 12 targets five catches so seven incompletions throughout the game every single time hey 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 get out of here. I mean, refs, refs are human. And I, I will give football refs credit. They're much better than baseball umpires. Umpires actually think that they're part of the game. Uh, umpires actually think that fans pay good, hard-earned American dollars to come see their asses behind the mask. Nah. You can find the Purple FTW podcast wherever you get podcasts on your smartphone or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page. All right, let's get to the Twins. VP Mike Radcliffe on his way to Arizona to scout Tyler J. All the other Twins prospects, heck, all the prospects in the Arizona Fall League. On Tyler J, we will have Tyler J on a future Scoop podcast. I was texting with somebody close to Tyler. The word is he is throwing the ball incredibly well. Tyler J is positioning himself to be a part of the Twins bullpen in 2018. There's still that question mark about whether he could go back to being a starter but at this point the twins do view him as a reliever that is the faster path to the majors the twins still feel like his major league potential is there yes i know you don't necessarily take a reliever with a top 10 pick in the draft but heck the way he's throwing the ball his mix of pitches his velocity you know tyler J can help this team you think about the impact relievers had in this postseason so many recent postseasons, you need a lights-out bullpen, right? Well, the thought is Tyler J can be a part of a future Twins lights-out bullpen. So he's continuing to throw the ball really well in the Arizona Fall League. We'll track him down. Former Twin scout Mark Wilson is still looking for work, Midwest-based. You know, he's a Minnesota guy, a Twin Cities area guy, longtime Twin scout, you know, had his fingerprints on the Joe Maurer selection, so many different selections over the years, Glenn Perkins, Go up and down the list. He was let go in the last handful of months. Just want to give an update on a really good guy, Mark Wilson. There's a number of guys rehabbing in Fort Myers. Ryan O'Rourke, Trevor May, JT Chagois. On the Twins opening on their staff, the coaching staff, I mentioned on Scoop Podcast episode 105, there was a guy in the Rangers organization they were looking at, and this was before the Joe Vaver news was official. My point is, the Twins were preparing. Once Ron Gardenhire got a job, in this case the Tigers' job, the Twins knew they were losing at least one guy. So they've been doing their homework for a number of weeks on potential coaches. I know the Rangers organization is one organization because of Thad Levine's knowledge, his intimate knowledge, is one organization they've looked at. I will pass along specific names when I get them. I'm sure there's others. I mean, heck, they cast a wide net when it came to the pitching coach search. So when you're filling any coaching staff opening, I can promise you they are looking at a number of individuals. But I'm just telling you, if you're curious, I was asked again on Friday morning on Twitter if I had an update. Look at some of the names in the Rangers organization. Free agency is about to begin. Maybe not a high priority, but Dylan G has a lot of interest in remaining with the Twins. But don't look for any dialogue to pick up until December. Somebody close to G indicating he doesn't expect anything to really pick up until December. But I can tell you Dylan G has a lot of interest in returning to the Twins. On Miguel Sano, the surgery upcoming here in mid-November. The Twins fully expect Sano to be ready by spring training. In fact, before spring training, I guess if you are a religious listener of the Scoop podcast, I hope you are. Please tell me you are. Surgery is not a shock. I hinted at this a number of weeks ago. Now, the Twins were waiting a little bit of time just to see if rest could heal up that shin. But no, I mean, that was always the likelihood. It was the last ditch option, but... 
it was the likelier option between rest and surgery. And, in fact, the Twins made the announcement earlier this week that Miguel Sano will undergo surgery. He'll have a rod inserted in that shin area. He got hurt in, what, mid to late August. It was like August 18th. It was a series against Arizona. He came back briefly in September, but you could tell he was in some serious pain, serious discomfort. Remember the playoff game against the Yankees? You know, he just he couldn't play. I was told by somebody close to Sano he was in all sorts of pain. That's a guy that's got a pretty high pain threshold. He could not overcome that pain because it was so discomforting. So at this point, the surgery will make him feel better. He should be ready to go by spring training. But again, you should not be shocked by the news that Miguel Sano has to undergo surgery. We'll get to some Wolves notes in just a second, but some love first for Running Tap. The website, running-tap.com. The promo code, thescoop002. That promo code gets you $20 off a purchase of $30 or more. How about that offer? $20 off a purchase of $30 or more? That is unheard of. Again, the website, running-tap.com. Running-tap.com will show you all about or tell you all about. I guess it can show you, too. If there happens to be some sort of demo video on there, I have to scroll around. I haven't become a connoisseur of their website, but I do know their product is absolutely fantastic because they deliver beer right to you. It's a new local startup, and they deliver beer directly from tap rooms to your living room, to our living rooms. You think about that. It's unbelievable because think about this. There's beer in what? Liquor stores that have been sitting around for a long time, sometimes upwards of six months for an IPA, for example, that absolutely impacts how that IPA will taste. Plus, there's also, what, like 150, 160 breweries in the state now? And many of those guys and gals are making great beer, but nobody knows about that beer. 90% of that beer doesn't make it into liquor stores or bars, but it can make it into your living room, our living rooms. Think about it. It's fantastic. They deliver on Saturdays. They deliver on Sundays. It's all about the local beer scene. So check them out. Again, the website, running-tap.com. Use the promo code THESCOOP002, THESCOOP002. For $20 off an order of $30 or more, local beer delivered right to you. You have to check them out. Again, the website, running-tap.com. All right, on the Wolves, I can bounce all around here. I'll start with Justin Patton because we wonder about Justin Patton, right? I mean, you look at all these rookies. I mean, heck, the game on Monday in Miami that the Wolves won, Bam Adebayo. I think, in fact, I'm told that he absolutely would have gotten serious consideration at pick 16 if the Heat did not take him at pick 14. The Wolves were fans. They remain fans of Bam Adebayo. Heck, they should be the way he played on Monday. You think about some of the other rookies. Collins in Atlanta went after Justin Patton. You think about Kuzma with the Lakers. He was really good on Thursday against the Blazers. You know, guys like TJ Leaf with the Pacers. Swanigan, the Purdue kid who's in Portland. I mean, all those guys went after Patton. They all look like they have bright futures. Those guys making an impact already in the NBA. Justin Patton still hurt. So the book is not nearly finished on Justin Patton. Heck, we don't even have the first page of the Justin Patton book written because we don't know. We have no idea. We wait and see what he can do, but he's not close to playing. That's the issue. And when he is, he will spend a lot of time in Iowa in the G League. But the point is, coming back from that surgery, that foot issue, he is not close to getting full clearance. Five on five or three on three, you name it. He's not close to getting full clearance. He's able to do some stuff. He's been on the road with the Wolves, so he's getting some mental reps. He's learning what it takes to be an NBA player, but in terms of getting back to full range of everything he can do on the basketball court, we are still a little ways away from that particular moment. Some good, some bad with the Wolves for these first eight games. Certainly the good. I mean, you have more wins than losses. Heck, you're 5-1 and when Jimmy Butler plays 5-3 and overall. Another good would be Andrew Wiggins leading the NBA in clutch points, or at least tied as of Friday morning in clutch points. The bad would be the Wolves are 28th in defense, 28th at least when and looking at points per possession allowed. Now that number is skewed a bit because of those Pacers and Pistons games when Jimmy Butler was out, but it's clear the defense needs all sorts of work, in particular Carl Anthony Towns. What is going on physically? He's got every trait imaginable. Heck, we've talked to Sam Mitchell about that, that Carl Anthony Towns one day should be an excellent defensive player. He has to be. He's talked about taking this Wolves team 
to a level it hasn't seen in a number of years. He feels like he can do it. He can lead the way, help lead the way, at least. I mean, in many ways, Jimmy Butler is this team's leader. But Carl Anthony Towns eventually will be this team's alpha dog, alpha leader. Well, he has to play better defense. He absolutely does. I'm not breaking news there. But Carl Anthony Towns' defense, oh, my gosh. All right, a guy that won a couple picks after Carl Anthony Towns in the draft, Jalil Okafor, is readily available in Philadelphia. Now, they won't buy him out, but you can trade for Jalil Okafor today. Heck, if he's placed on waivers, the Bulls will end up claiming him. The Celtics are the team, you know, said the most, you know, when it comes to, hey, if a trade does happen, look for Okafor to land in Boston. The point is, for the note here, the Wolves are not in on Jalil Okafor. I've been asked that question a bunch on Twitter. The Wolves have not talked to Philadelphia about Jalil Okafor. The Wolves are not interested in Jalil Okafor. If the Wolves make a move, and I actually think they will closer to the trade deadline, it'll be for a wing or for some shooting. It's not for a five-man. It's not for a center. You know, I've mentioned how they've done their due diligence on Jared Dudley. That's a name to watch as the weeks move forward. I'm sure there will be other names. When those names pop up, I will certainly pass them along. On Eric Bledsoe, the Wolves continue to not show interest. There's other new teams, New Orleans, Detroit. You know, I mentioned last week, New York, Denver, you know, Milwaukee. You know, certainly Milwaukee is a team to watch. Denver, too, for that matter. But no on the Wolves. The Wolves do not have interest in Eric Bledsoe. All right, let's get to Gopher Sports as a whole before we get to Zeke Naji Hopkins basketball forward, because there's actually a Gopher slant to that. But on Gophers football at Michigan tomorrow, Saturday, the big house, the jug on the line. I'm told, hey, they'll mix it up a little bit. We saw a lot of max protection against Iowa. We'll see more max protection against Michigan, but they've been working on the Wildcat a little bit. So we may see some Wildcat formations depending on game situation. I do know they're trying some different things in practice, seeing if anything sticks, you know, they are still trying to win games here, even though, you know, a bowl, although, heck, they could get to five wins and become bowl eligible. You know, we've seen other years, recent years, where, hey, five wins get you to a bowl because there's not enough six-win teams. It's possible, but they have to still win one more game. But they're trying. I mean, heck, they're working their asses off. They're trying. You know, they just don't have the horses. B.J. Fleck realizes that. It will take a number of years to get back to, you know, a 9-10, maybe even more than that win level. Now we're looking at 2019, maybe at the earliest. 2020, certainly not 2018. They can be competitive in 2018. They won't embarrass themselves next year. But the roster needs all sorts of fixing. A number of people there realize that. I don't know if a lot of fans realize that, but those internally realize that. But anyway... The point is, hey, look for maybe some different formations, some different things against the Wolverines. That's a really good defense, so you have to try to trick them, mix them up if you want to be competitive in the big house. On Brennan Armstrong, the quarterback from Ohio, the three-star, maybe four-star kid, who is now reopening his recruitment. Heck, let's be frank, he is decommitting. You know, he's still scheduled as of now to visit here on December 8th. The chances of him visiting here on December 8th are minimal, very, very small. The word is Virginia, that he'll end up at Virginia. Maybe it's a different school. Apparently Ohio State called. I don't think Ohio State offers Brennan Armstrong, but the word is they've at least done some homework on Brennan Armstrong, but Virginia is the school that is said most often, at least from my point of view. It is mutual. The Gophers were preparing for this for a number of weeks. The word is they weren't completely happy that Armstrong didn't divulge all the schools that were checking in on him that he wasn't completely forthright. But I understand it from Armstrong's point of view, keeping his options open, that maybe you say, hey, I got a call, but hey, I'm still committed to you. But there was some back and forth. I mean, the more the Gophers did some background work on Armstrong, there were some more red flags. Put it this way, I'm told the Gophers have been preparing for this scenario for a number of weeks. This wasn't something that just popped up the other day. Now, it was interesting timing that on Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon, You know, the story breaks that Armstrong is reopening his recruitment and they offer a junior college quarterback. The Gophers offer a junior college quarterback from California. I would say that's more just a coincidence because, again, the Gophers have been preparing for this moment for a while. They've also extended an offer to a quarterback whose name I don't have in front of me, but he's a Boise State commit. I mean, that's the time of year we are in with National Signing Day now, you know, down to, you know, I guess we can say a couple months or whatever it is, three months, early February, but really – You know, it's weeks. You know, for these coaching staffs, you're crossing off day by day. We're down to just a number of weeks. It's that time of the year where schools try to get kids to flip. 
You know, right now we're just talking about verbal commitments. You know, you don't sign your, your, well, at least your initial college life away until early February. You know, so schools try to get these kids to flip their commitments. So that's what we're in right now, that time of the year. So the Gophers are trying to flip a Boise State quarterback commit. They have some other quarterbacks on their radar. They would like to bring in multiple quarterbacks in the 2018 class. The point is, I mean, maybe it's 2%, 3%, but the chances of Brennan Armstrong now ending up in a Gophers uniform are really, really small. Remember, the idea as of a month ago or three weeks ago was he would be here in January. He would take part in winter workouts, then spring ball in March, that he would compete for the 2018 starting job. I would say this much. I believe the Gophers starting quarterback in 2018 is not currently on the roster. Maybe it's Demry Croft early. Maybe he's got a chance to compete. But in reality, P.J. Fleck knows he has to go get an outside quarterback. He has to fix the quarterback position. The quarterback that will lead the Gophers to where Fleck thinks they can go is not currently on the roster. Maybe that player is actually in the 2019 class. But when it comes to 2018, I'm telling you, I believe the quarterback that will get the most snaps in 2018 isn't currently on the roster. And let me lay out just a little bit more succinctly that the Armstrong reopening of his recruitment goes back well over a week the Gophers were aware of that before they extended the offer to the Juco kid, before they made the offer to the Boise State commitment. If you're looking for a timeline, you know, they talked, P.J. Fleck, Brendan Armstrong, and came to this agreement that, hey, Armstrong will reopen his recruitment. It's a little bit of a, you know, black eye for the Gophers. I mean, heck, I think in the end, they would still take Armstrong. Again, I don't see Armstrong ending up with the Gophers. So even with the red flags the Gophers had on the Armstrong front, you know, when it comes to Brennan, I still think in the end, the Gophers would take Brennan Armstrong. You know, so it's a little bit of a black eye when you don't get the quarterback you were targeting. But I can just tell you, the Gophers have been doing their homework, preparing for this moment. So this did not catch them necessarily off guard. On Gophers basketball, they had the scrimmage on Thursday night against Concordia St. Paul. Won rather easily. Heck, a Division II school beat Auburn in an exhibition the other day. Michigan State struggled in an exhibition against a Division II school. So when the Gophers win by, what was it, 106 to 58, you can do the math. Hey, that's impressive. I'll tell you this much. Amir Coffey looks stronger. He's put on like 7 to 10 pounds of muscle. You think about more like 7. You think about Michael Hurt. He looks bigger. Had a good summer. He had that trip with Larry Brown, that that USA All-Star team. I know that Michael spent some time with an NBA player getting in the gym for a handful of days with an NBA player, an NBA veteran, working on some stuff. Michael Hurt should play a bit more than anticipated with Eric Curry out with the ACL. The Gophers should be very, very good. Eventually, Isaiah Washington maybe moves into the starting lineup. Dupree McBrayer can come off the bench. But you think about the sixum of, you know, Mason, McBrayer, Coffey, Murphy, Lynch, then Washington, then guys like Hurt and others that will help them. Devontae Fitzgerald looks decent. You, know, you think about him being a veteran. You know, they have some guys. I mean, there's a reason why they are preseason number 15 in the AP poll. Expectations are incredibly high. The Gophers should be very, very good. Jordan Murphy was really good on Thursday. The Gophers back in action on Sunday at Maturi Pavilion against Wisconsin Green Bay. It's that exhibition to raise money for Puerto Rico hurricane victims. Williams Arena, there's a scheduling conflict. If you're wondering why isn't that exhibition at Williams Arena, there's something going on at Williams Arena. I forget what, but there's a reason why they are doing this at Maturi Pavilion. On the 2018 scholarship opening, they will wait. They will wait until spring. They will see what the transfer list looks like. They will see if some class of 2018 high school players are still available They will keep their options open. JUCO kids, they will not fill that 2018 scholarship opening anytime real soon. National Signing Day for college basketball is in a couple days. So guys like Daniel Oturu, Jarvis Thomas, Gabe Kalsher will sign their letters of intent. But again, the Gophers will keep that fourth opening. They will keep it open for some time. Also on Sunday, the Gophers had that scrimmage, the maroon and gold scrimmage last Sunday. Pretty much every top 2018, 2019, 2020 player in the state was there except for Jalen Suggs. He had a fall league commitment, a fall league basketball commitment with games like at 4.30 and 6 or 7 o'clock. The scrimmage was at 5, so Jalen Suggs could not make it. Otherwise, he would have been there. But you think about, you know, Matthew Hurt. You think about our next guest, Zeke Najee of Hopkins, a 6'8 forward. He's actually more like 6'9", 6'9 6'10". Growth plates are still open, may get as tall as 7 feet. He's more a 3, but can play some 4. But heck, he can guard 1s, he can guard 2s. 
He's a superior athlete. Know the name. Junior forward Zeke Naji of Hopkins has a Gophers offer, has an Iowa offer, has a Wisconsin offer, has some other offers. I was over at Hopkins High School on Tuesday afternoon catching up with Zeke Naji. Here's my conversation with Zeke as he talks Gophers, Patino, Wisconsin, Creighton, Iowa, Butler, Purdue. We learn all about his game. Here's my conversation with Zeke Naji. Zeke, in talking to your dad, he goes... Zeke is guarding some of the smaller kids, the one, the two, because coaches love that flexibility that he can guard. You already can guard two, three, four, five. You're now trying to expand that to guarding ones, aren't you? I mean, how much pride do you take in being able to guard every position on the court? Well, I mean, I I love defense, you know, just the ability to be able to stop someone and, like, be able to know that your will is going to be able to help you to not let him go anywhere. So I just want to have the, the most versatility I can. I want to show everyone what I can do and be as versatile as I can. I mean, is it hard? I mean, are you are you discovering that as you're guarding guys from three-point line in, even beyond three-point line, you know, when it comes to lateral quickness, that you have a ways to go there? Do you feel comfortable guarding ones and twos already? I mean, definitely last year I think I was much slower. But I've been putting a lot of work in the offseason to uh, – helped me to get quicker and I've been lifting a lot and so I think I've definitely uh, made a big stride over the summer to help me to be able to guard uh, the smaller and the quicker guys. I also use my uh, length to my advantage so whatever I lack in quickness I can I can make up with my length. I mean how long are you? I mean I'm looking at your wingspan. Are we talking a seven feet wingspan? Yeah seven two wingspan. Seven two okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean that's unbelievable so you're right I mean if a guard gets by you your wingspan allows you where if he's going up for that layup, your arm's going to get to that ball before he can get that ball in the hoop. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty amazing. Thank you. I mean, are you done growing or are you still, I mean, your dad was telling me there is a chance. I mean, your growth plates are still open. You might not be done growing. I mean, the doctors gave me a range from right around 6'9 to 7'1. So, like, I'm at 6'10 I'm at right now. So, hopefully, I, hopefully I'm still growing, you know. Is it true that you were actually born premature? Yeah, I was born, I don't know how long premature, but yeah, I was a really small baby. But even for a premature baby, I was still pretty big. So yeah. But it sounds like there's a good amount of height in your family. Your dad was telling me that he's about the smallest member of the family. The smallest. I have an uncle who's uh, seven feet who played at Florida, and my other uncles are six five. And on my mom's side is also tall. Her brothers are 6'5 and 6'6. And then my mom's 5'11, so, you know, that's got a lot of height from both sides. When did you go through the, the big growth spurt? I mean, you look like you have guard skills. I mean, I'm just looking at the way you shoot your three-pointer. It's a very fluid jump shot. So, I mean, I'm thinking you had those guard skills for a while growing up. I mean, was it like... Freshman year, high school, sophomore year, where you really jumped up from from where you were to where you are now at six ten. I I don't really think I had like any major growth spurt. I think I just steadily grew. You know, like I've always I've always been like the tallest in my class or one of the tallest. You know, so like I just I just work on my guard skills rather than rather than uh, having a major growth spurt like that. Coach Novak was saying that you've even gotten a lot better since the summer. Certainly practicing with pulley, playing some with pulley. You got better during the summer, but even since the summer, you've gotten better. What specifically have you been working on? I mean, I, 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 I like to think of my weaknesses and think what I can do to improve them and what I can do that will take my game to the next level. So I've been working on a lot of ball handling, a lot of shooting, and expanding my range to be able to shoot the three-pointer and even deep threes and working on getting stronger, jumping higher, being quicker, a lot of those kind of stuff. I mean, where are you at right now? So you're 6'10", 6'10 and a half? Yeah, 6'10". Okay, how much do you weigh? Uh, 220. Okay, and then what about your vertical? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure about my vertical. I haven't tested that. I mean, but it's you feel comfortable no matter what that you can rise up, and whether it's blocking shots, dunking over somebody, using your length to, to impact the game. Definitely. Uh, my, the lifting has definitely helped me get a lot stronger and also jump higher, too. I've noticed that over the summer. One time I was at open gym, and I was just dunking the ball, and I, I felt, wow, I'm floating. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think the lifting has definitely been uh, helping me a lot. What's your ceiling? I mean, it's a cliche-filled question, but two, three, four years from now, where do you see yourself? I mean, hopefully it's in the NBA. You know, I like to, I like to go to college and then 
hopefully get, go into the NBA, you know, make money for a living, be a lottery pick. That's my, that's my goal. I mean, it's hard, though. You know that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done to be in a position to do that, correct? Yeah, I mean, I've seen the competition out there because playing with Pulley allowed me to see some of the best competition around the country. And so I, I know what it takes to, to be the best and what the best are doing. So I just got to work twice as hard as them to, to prove that I can be number one. There's a little bit of a seniority when it comes to Pulley playing time. I mean, Jarvis Thomas, Daniel Aturu, older than you. I mean, is next summer that much more of a, of a big summer for you, knowing that you'll play so much? I mean, not only this year. I mean, oftentimes junior year in high school is a big developmental year. So not only this season for Hopkins, but then next summer, I mean, do you feel like as much as, much as you've gotten better over the last year that maybe this next year from this point on is as big a year as any? Yeah, I think it's definitely a big year because, you know, I'm nearing the end of high school and I need to try to get my name out there, you know, to get it, to get uh, my ranking up and to get people to notice, like, my talent and stuff. So, yeah, I think this year, this high school season, also the, my last year of AAU is going to definitely be uh, very important in getting my name out there. What was it like practicing against Daniel Aturu? Yeah, it, it was a great experience because we're always good at it, you know, and we're, we're good friends, but, like, we try to we try to egg each other on, you know, always talking to each other. And, yeah, I mean, we just push each other to be better. And did you also guard Jarvis Thomas in some of those practices? Yeah, he's, he's good. He's, he can fly like crazy. You got you to gotta watch your back or he's going to be on you. <laughs> now, are those two working you at all saying, hey, you got that Gophers offer? You need to come play with us at Minnesota? They, they were definitely they'd be like, hey, well, you know what to do. You know what to do. I'm just like, I still got time. <laughs> and you're also getting it from... I was here a few weeks ago when, when Joe Hedstrom, your teammate Joe, yeah. committed to Wisconsin. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be talking to Zeke all the time about joining me at Wisconsin. Yeah, I've got a lot from him. Every time I see him in the hallway, he says, you know what to do. <laughs> I mean, you're getting it from all over then. Yeah. What's your offer list right now? Go through all the schools that have offered you. I have offers from Wisconsin, Creighton, Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota. And is there a sense that there's more coming? I mean, I, I have some interest from other schools like Purdue, Butler, uh, Xavier, and uh, a couple of other schools. I think your dad even said maybe Stanford? Stanford, yeah, yeah, Stanford, yeah. I mean, it's to the point where I don't blame you. It's almost hard to keep track. How hard is it to keep track of all the schools, all the coaches that are reaching out to you? Yeah, I, I just try to try to keep in touch with every, with, with every one of them and keep a good relationship with them. And yeah. What's it like playing with Joe? I mean, is it the one-two punch there in the middle? Yeah, I definitely think that we have a a great uh, we have great chemistry, and you know I really enjoy playing with him because we got to work last year, but then over the summer we've been working a lot too, working out with each other, getting each other better, and also working on different things we can do with each other in the game. What's your natural position? Is your natural position the three, small forward? Are you more naturally a power forward? I, I think I'm like a stretch forward, you know. I, I play. I can play both three and four. I mean, I've been trying to work on handling the ball so that can help me to play the three as well. And, like, yeah. But I also don't want to go away from being in the post, you know. I want to play 50-50 inside and outside. What was it like on Sunday going to the Gopher scrimmage? It was great, definitely, to see them. It was a great experience to see the, the atmosphere and them going at each other and how their work ethic and stuff like that. What was it like when, when Coach Patino or maybe it was assistant coach Ben Johnson said, hey, Zeke, we want you to be a gopher. Here's an offer. I mean, it, it was really humbling, you know. Um, when I was younger, I, was, I went to a game and uh, I, I really liked the gophers when I was growing up, you know. And just to like get an offer from them, and I was like, whoa, you know, like I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting there, you know. And, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really humbling. I was really excited. Did it happen in person? Did Coach Patino come here to Lindbergh Center? He came to our, to our open gym, and then, yeah, we talked after we were done playing, and then he offered me there. Do you like what you see from what he runs? I mean, offensively, as you watch the Gophers, do you see your skill set matching what Patino tries to accomplish on the court? I mean, definitely. I mean, they have, they have a really good offense. They like, they like to run, but then they also know when to, like, stop, set up, and run plays. And I, I, I like that because it lets you run but also be organized as well, in a sense. And they, they have good defense, too. What about Wisconsin? What is appealing about Wisconsin? I mean, certainly they send guys to the NBA. They win a lot of games. I mean, they are very good at developing players. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin is really good, especially they've had a good history with their bigs, too, like Frank Kaminsky. 
and uh, Sam Decker. And I think that they're a really good program. They help you develop and get you ready for the NBA as well. What about Creighton? What stands out about Creighton? Um, they've also had a great history, too, with Doug McDermott, uh, Kyle Korver. And I, I think that they really help you with their shooting as well. And, like, they're a good shooting team. Uh, they, they have good defense as well, and they like to run up and down a lot. What about Tim Miles in Nebraska? Nebraska, uh, they're good. They, they're a good defense. They have, they have a lot of size. And, you know, they, they like to – they're more uh, half-court oriented. And, but I think they're a good program. And then what about Fran McCaffrey in Iowa? They like they like to run, definitely. I, wa- I went to watch their game uh, this weekend, and, I mean, they were good. I mean, they blew the team out by, like, 20 points, and their defense, even though their defense wasn't there, and the coach didn't think they played well, they did well. So you were in Iowa City this past weekend. Yeah. So how did that go, sum up that trip? Oh, it went really well, you know. Uh, we went there down we, we went down there on Friday, watched their game versus Jewel or something like that, and then slept over. Then we came back in the morning to, uh, to like, to tour the campus and stuff, and wa- we watched the practice, and then we went to a football game. It was, it was fun. So you went to the Iowa-Minnesota football game? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a good atmosphere, definitely packed. Yeah, I mean, those fans down in Iowa City are – are really passionate. What what other visits do you have planned here in the next handful of months, or where would you like to visit? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna visit Minnesota and Wisconsin again, and those are, those are the only ones I have planned so far. I mean, is there any plans to get to Omaha for Creighton or Lincoln for Nebraska? Yeah, I've been there, but they're they're gonna invite me again when the when the season starts to get to see a basketball game. And do you sense that? You know, whether it's Butler, Purdue, that some of these other schools will start offering you? I mean, yeah, I mean, I just got to keep getting better and show them what I can do, and maybe they'll give, send me an offer. I mean, sum up. I mean, if you had to write a scouting report on your game, I mean, we've talked a lot about it, how you're versatile. You can guard four positions, at times five positions. You're 50-50 inside, outside. You've been working on your shot. But if you had to write a scouting report on your game, what would that report say? Uh, I think that he can. Sh- I can shoot. I think I try to shoot as much as I can. Uh, I I can slash. You know, going cutting through defenders and going finishing at the rim. I think I've gotten better uh, get, at being more explosive. But I think and quicker. But I think one thing I need to work on is uh, getting stronger. As in the next level, everyone is super strong, 250, 240. And so I definitely need to get stronger so I can handle the physicality of the next level. I mean, do you have a number in mind? I mean, 220 now. I mean, do you have a number in mind? Is it 225, 230? Is it as high as 240? I, I think my ideal would be 230, 235, and, but still being quick, not slowing down. I still want to maintain my quickness. But I think, yeah, 230, 235 would be ideal for me. What about the history here at Hopkins? I mean, have you talked to Amir Coffey? Speaking of the Gophers, do you have a relationship with Amir? I don't, I don't really talk to them much. Yeah. But you think about Amir, you think about just all of the guys over the years, right? I mean, you know, Chambers and White and Humphreys. I mean, you know all the names. I mean, what's it like following in the footsteps of so many good players? I mean, it, it's great. They have a tradition of winning, and I, th- I just want to continue that tradition, you know? I want to keep this program successful and always come out on the court knowing that there's a history behind this, and I want to uphold that history. You feel like that you have the roster to make a deep run into late March? I mean, we know Apple Valley is going to be really good again. Oturu and Creighton, they will be really good. There's a lot of good teams. How will Hopkins size up against those teams? I mean, definitely. I think we have a we have a deep roster. We have a lot of guys that come off the bench that provide us with different things that we need and that we look for. And I think, I mean, at the end of the year, our goal is to be the last team standing, you know, and to to just keep the tradition of winning. And yeah. Hopkins basketball junior forward Zeke Najee, who has a Gophers offer. The Gophers want him. If you are a local basketball fan, be sure and check out Hopkins at some point this year. They beat Apple Valley last week in a fall scrimmage. They will be really good. Ken Novak Jr. is one of the best coaches this state has ever produced. Joe Hedstrom, Zeke Najee have a nice little one-two punch there in the front court for Hopkins. Joe Hedstrom going to the Wisconsin Badgers. Zeke Najee, I'm telling you, you will know the name. He is only getting better and better. He is nowhere near his ceiling when it comes to his basketball talent, his basketball ceiling. It is incredibly high. Really good player. 
came up through the Lakeville system, Lakeville North, transferred into Hopkins a couple years ago. Know the name, Zeke Najee. Also know the names of our sponsors, Running Tap, running-tap.com, Camp Zero Coolers, camp-zero.com. For your outdoor needs, again, camp-zero.com, plus Vine Park Brewing in St. Paul, vinepark.com. Vine Park Brewing has fantastic beer. You need to check it out. Vine Park Brewing, Camp Zero Coolers, Running Tap, they keep the podcast going. So please support the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast. That does it for Scoop Podcast Episode 106. We will be back next week with Episode 107. Ryan Carter will join either 107 or 108. Tyler J. scheduled to join. May catch up with Brian Windhorst. Also a reminder that Glenn Taylor, Wolves slash Lynx owner, on 1500 ESPN with me, Monday morning, 11 a.m.